0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. It has been a
1: minute since we've had a good old-fashioned, old-school manager meltdown in Major League Baseball. But the baseball gods gifted us with just that. In fact, an instant classic last night in H-Town, where the Nationals returned this week for the first time since the 2019 World Series. And remember that fact. Remember that fact because that's a really relevant piece of information here. First, let me set the scene. We go straight to the bottom of the ninth in Houston last night. Tie game. Bases loaded. One out. Infield in. And not just the infield. Everybody in. Five infielders in. Nats manager Davey Martinez not messing around last night. As everybody was about to find out, he played it ultra-aggressive with the five-man infield. Talk about wanting to cut down that run at the plate. Why not have nine guys in? He had five in, and he would keep up that same energy. Had the energy when he had five guys playing in, and then he had the same energy after the game, after this happened. Ground ball towards short. They're going to come home. They get the force out there. The throw to first. Not in time. The throw gets away. And the Astros are going to win.
2: Abreu crosses the plate. The throw got away from Chavis at first. Davy Martinez is claiming interference on Myers.
1: Uh-oh. Yes, he was claiming that. Uh-oh. Oh, yes, he was. Davey Martinez absolutely was claiming interference on Jake Myers. In fact, he did a lot more than, quote, claim it. The dude went absolutely nuts. And he was still heated when he met with the media after the game. And then he unleashed on the ump show. And he brought evidence. Evidence with him to prove his point. There it
3: is. Right there. Take a good look at it. Is that on the line? I don't think so. I'm over this play. Seriously. They need to fix the rule. If this is what the umpires see, that he's running down the line, I'm tired of it. Tired of it. Fix it. We lost the game and he had nothing to say about it because he can't make the right call. Brutal. Brutal.
4: What was his explanation to you as you
3: went out there? He said he saw him run down the line. So I said, We lost the game because you, you made
0: the wrong call.
1: Fix it. Yes, that was the Nationals manager. Brutal. Fix it. We, the, the audio is incredible. The video is even better because he's waving a still. He had a picture of it. He's waving a still. So you've got the manager waving around a photo of Jake Myers running up the baseline. A still. And he's just spitting fire. Now, we didn't edit that at all. We didn't speed that up. We didn't take out any breaths or any pauses. That was just skip going take, take, take. Take a look at it. Take a look at it. Is that on the line? I don't think so. Boom! Roasted! I'm over this play. Tired. Fix
0: it! Fix it! We lo- brutal!
1: Now, the reason he's over this play is because he has seen and experienced the exact same play. Remember that whole thing about the first Nationals visit to Houston since the 2019 World Series. Well, you can bet your ass Davey remembers that trip. You can bet your ass Davey remembers like it was yesterday. He remembers game six of that series when the Nats were facing elimination. He also remembers Trey Turner coming up in a critical spot and dribbling a bouncer toward third. And he remembers this happening. That's a tough play for Peacock.
0: Safe at first, ball gets away, and the runners will advance to second and third. And now they're going to call the runner out for being inside the line and in the way of the throw. And we're going to get an argument now as Dave Martinez is furious.
1: Yes, he was, like he was last night. Davey last night, Dave then, either way, pissed off. Dave brutal. was furious, and Dave apparently is still furious. Fix because it. somehow, can you blame the guy? Turner. Somehow Trey Turner was out on that play when the World Series was on the line, but last night Jake Myers was safe on the same play. I'm over and this I'm talking play. about the same exact play. Break it down frame by frame, and it looks almost identical. So Davey's so pissed off about that call in 2019 that he got run from the game, and he's still the only manager to get tossed from a World Series game since 96. He was then that red-assed about this play, and he's still red-assed about that play. Because apparently the ump show just cannot make up their minds about whether or not this is base runner interference or not. Again, it's literally the exact same play as four years ago. But four years ago, the National was out, and last night the Astros was safe. So from Davey's perspective, it's almost like the rule is whatever benefits the Astros. That's how we make the call. Whatever benefits the Astros. I mean, you could forgive the guy for thinking that, right? That's what he's been about. I mean, the whole thing is just so typical MLB. So typical of the ump show. Make up your mind, fellas. Figure it out. Whatever the rule is, and it's a bad rule anyway, but whatever the rule is, just stay consistent with the rule because those were identical plays. You can't have identical plays but two different calls, and then you can't just keep burying your head in the sand on this, even if you've been trying to do that since the 2019 World Series when Trey Turner epically called out Joe Torre for it. Remember that? From the dugout, in real time, him calling out Joe Torre.
0: And you can see what Trey Turner's saying. Joe Torre can't this. A, like a a game. is right here. Just ask Joe him. Torre's right there. And he's sitting with his head down, trying not to look up.
1: He said it, quote, in case you missed that. Joe Torre is in charge of the umpires, and he's right there. And he's sitting with his head down, trying not to look up. End quote. It's an amazing thing to say. But also, of course he was. That's like Major League Baseball's go-to move. Man, just shove your head in some sand. Shove your head in some hands. Go find a rock to hide under. Put your fingers in your ears and scream, la, 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 I can't hear you. I haven't seen Tori that out of sorts, since shared belief Worked game on, dude. A horse that Tory was part owner of in the Pacific Classic back in the day. I was looking for him on that day to tell him to tell me how my ass tastes, but he was nowhere to be found. By the way, actually consulting the actual rule book on this is no help either. If that's what you're going to suggest. Because I'm about to read the word salad from the rule book that covers this particular play. It's about to make Garrett Cole seem eloquent and articulate. Here is the actual rule. Quote, in running the last half of the distance from home base to first base, while the ball is being fielded to first base, he runs outside to the right of the three-foot line or inside to the left of the foul line. And in the umpire's judgment, in so doing, interferes with the fielder taking the throw at first base, in which case the ball is dead, except that he may run outside to the right of the three foot line or inside to the left of the foul line to avoid a fielder attempting to field a batted ball. Um, oh, why didn't I you say know. so? I, I don't know if. Uh, what the hell is that crap? I don't know. No wonder the umps are confused. I've got a headache reading that. Why the hell is that written like it's the, I don't know, the King James Bible? Why do you need to be an English lit major to understand the MLB rulebook? Why do we have to make this so freaking complicated? Let me try and decode that nonsense. You have to have both feet in the painted runner's lane, or else you can be called out if the defense does not complete the play. It's a total judgment call, but if either foot is outside the runner's lane, you can be called for interference. In other words, the umps were totally within the rules to call both Trey Turner and Jake Myers out, but they only called the gnat out. The Astro was safe, and that was the game deciding play last night. So what we have here is garbage. garbage. So, with Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Well, the Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected packages. Go online to omahasteaks.com and get 30 bucks off when you use my name, Jim Rome, as the promo code at checkout. Packages can include fork tender bacon-wrapped filet mignons or gourmet grillables like the air-chilled boneless chicken breast burgers, jumbo franks, and many more favorites and do not forget to save room for dessert most gift packages come with four delicious caramel apple tartlets also check out the other hand-selected packages that are guaranteed to make dad's day because if there is one thing we know it's that dad wants steak whether he's your father father-in-law or father figure. He is the guy who was always ready to step up when you needed him most. So this Father's Day, show him love with the only gift that's as unforgettable as he is, the the mouth-watering perfection of Omaha Steaks. From perfectly aged, oh-so-tender steaks to hand-selected gift packages, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to give dad exactly what he wants. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Jim Rome, no space between Jim and Rome in the search bar to order the dad's favorite grill pack today for only ninety nine ninety nine. It's incredible. Plus, get eight free burgers with your order. Once again, omahasteaks.com. Type in Jim Rome. Yeah, I'm spending a lot of time on it, but I, I don't know why. Like, I've got no dog in this fight. It's just pissing me off. Like, I get that it's a judgment call, But you have to keep it consistent. Decide what the rule actually is and stick with that. Decide what the rule is and then just stick with that. The rule has to be a rule and not a whim. It's not called the whim book. It's the rule book. It's not a whim. It's not a mood. It's not whatever we're feeling in that moment. It's a rule. In other words, I'm going to side with Davey. Man, I'm over this play. I'm
0: over this play.
1: Fix it. Fix it. It's brutal. Brutal. I still love that Davey went all nickelback with it. And he showed up for the cameras after the game. Like,
0: look at this photograph. Look, look. Look at, photograph. Photograph. Look, look. Look at it. So He's inside the baseline. The look at this photograph it's runner interference the umpires suck why is it always about the ump show tiger woods loves us we're the cheesiest band ever they're the worst umps ever fix it look at this fix it it's brutal look at this photograph how many times you gonna screw us Joe Tory, get your head out of your hands. Stop trying to hide, Tory. Own the chair, believe, kick your ass. That's over this place. Rob Manford, this is Start all them. your fault. Fix it. How did they ever get a record deal in the first place? Listen to these bums.
1: Best part of the whole thing. Brutal. is The photograph that Davies showed really had nothing to do with the call. So, like, he goes up there, and he can't wait to show everybody the photo. But the photo that he flashes is a Myers halfway up the baseline. But the call has to do with where he hit the actual bag and the timing of the throw to first. So it wasn't exactly that gotcha moment that David thought it was. But it was still hilarious that he was that mad, and he brought the photograph, and it gave me a reason to play Nickelback. Anyway, I I understand why this dude is confused. Even the umps are confused. The league office is confused. Nickelback is confused. Everybody's confused. Man, I'm over this play. Fix it. Brutal. Anyway, bottom line is, it's one of the dumbest rules anyway. But if you're not going to change it, at least call it consistently. Fix it. I'll give Houston this. At least they have a printer in the ballpark that actually works, which is more than I could say for us in this studio. The photo printout was outstanding, and I'm sure the IT guys didn't have a Wi-Fi issue or a toner issue when Davey was demanding a copy before his presser. I'm not going in there without the photograph. Hey, and somebody bumped Nickelback. I'm not going in there without those two things. I'm not going in there without Nickelback in my photo. You could, Skip. We're good. We got both. I want color. This is black and white. Yeah, but Skip, those cartridges, they make you subscribe, and they cost like 100 bucks each. I don't give a damn what they cost, and the resolution sucks. How can I make my point? Thing about this show, you never know what you're going to lead with. I did not expect that. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right, everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. It is Rex Hoggard. Rex, what's going on? Good to have you back. Rex, how are you?
4: This is a home game for you, Jim. You have to be coming out here and watching this show.
1: Yeah, except I got to do the show right now. But yes, I'm trying to work my way back up there. It's good to have you, Rex. It's good to have you out here. In fact, it is a home game. This is the first round of the U.S. Open. It's underway. But the L.A. City Basin has not hosted a U.S. Open since Ben Hogan won in 48 when it was held at Riv. Why did it take 75 years for the Open to return to L.A.? I think it has a lot to do, and they were talking about this the other night on Live. From, I'll
4: give Ruth Lerner, my colleague, credit, that he kind of cut to the chase. It's Because LACC did not want it until now. That's it. That's the bottom line. This is such a special place, and I think the USGA tried for years to get them to host a U.S. Open, and they were always reluctant for whatever the reasons are. And I have to admit, I never do this. Like, I never kind of golf geek out with my friends, but I've told all of them that if you're ever going to watch a golf tournament, This is the one, because this is such a unique test, and this golf course is so cool, and you're going to see things here that you don't ever see at a U.S. Open.
1: All right, so based on what you've seen so far this morning, I agree with you. You want to expect the unexpected. Based on what you've seen so far this morning, what are some of your early takeaways and some of your early observations from the early play?
4: My concern coming in was I, I know how cool this golf course is and how special it was going to be. My only concern is, and we've seen this from the USGA before, where they have gone too far. They've taken it to the line, and then they stepped that one step over the line and just kind of ruined it. They've ruined the golf course. They've ruined the experience. and ruined the championship. They're not going to do that this time. And we're seeing some scoring. And there's overcast. I think you folks call it June gloom out here. There's a little moisture in the ground. This is probably as easy as it's going to play all week, and that's probably by design.
1: We are talking to Rex Hoggard. All right, Rex, what about some of the guys that are playing this week? Brooks Kepka is looking to keep it going, for instance, after ripping the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. How about that North Course setup? How does that set up for him and his game?
4: I don't think there's a major championship venue that doesn't set up well for Brooks. And look, he's he's back to maximum Brooks, right? Like, I think golf is at its best right now when Brooks is at his best because, and maybe unfairly so, but he's that guy that He's so polarizing. Either you love him or you hate him. And I think that's golf at its best. And we've seen it from him. He's got his swagger back. And he's kind of that indifferent sort of cool athlete that we all either love or hate. And in this particular case, and I I love the
1: line he uses.
0: Uh Uh-oh.
1: We had Rex. We're looking for Uh Rex.
0: Rex. What
4: this is going to be.
1: Hey, Rex, I lost you momentarily. You said the last thing I heard you say was he has this cool line that he likes to use, and then you went away. What's the cool line?
4: Oh, it's he loves the chaos. We asked him why he plays so well at major championships, and he goes, I just love it when things at a major just speed up on you. It, it, the crowd is there. It's loud. It's really difficult. It's coming at you fast, and that's when he's at his best.
1: Rex Hogler joining us. You know, Rex, he said something to us. Like, you made the point that he's at maximum Brooks. Now, he said his goal is to get to double digits in majors. He's 33 now, but he's made it all the way back from that knee surgery two years ago. He's halfway there with five major titles. Do you think he has a realistic shot at making it to 10?
4: Yes, with that one huge asterisk, that if he can stay healthy, that if somehow if he doesn't have any more issues, then absolutely. I can, because we've seen it when he gets on these runs. He can be absolutely dominant. He does things that maybe only Tiger Woods has done in our lifetime, but that's a big asterisk because at his age, to have as many injuries as he has, he's like any other athlete. That's always concerning.
1: Rex Hoggard is joining us. So, Rex, Scotty Scheffler has returned to number one in the official World Golf Rankings, and he did win the Players' Championship in March. For those of us, Rex, who like to dabble in sports investing, he is the chalk this week. In your opinion, though, is he the one to beat?
4: I don't think he's the one to beat,
1: and I wish I could say yes,
4: because I'll go back the last couple weeks, and I don't think anybody on the planet is hitting the ball as well as he is the last few weeks, maybe the last few months. At the Memorial two weeks ago, he gained 20 shots on the field. green, That's unheard of. That's a historic line. If he would have just putted just a little bit below average, he would have won by multiple strokes. But instead, he gave up eight shots on the green. And it's starting to become the exact same thing. happened at the Masters. He led the field by a long shot, ball striking-wise, and was dead last and putting. If you can putt for him this week, I love him as the betting favorite. But I need to see a good putting round out of him before I do that.
1: So if not him, then who? Who do you like?
4: I think Brooks would, would be the obvious choice here. I mean, look, he has been a second at the Masters. He obviously won the PGA Championship. The huge unknown for all of us was how would the live guys show up at the Majors? They're playing 54 holes. They're in shorts. It's shotgun starts. It's loud music. Like, that can't get them ready, and that narrative is now well and gone. Like, that no longer holds any water. We know now that if you were a top-five player when you left the PGA Tour, you're still a top-five player, and Brooks is still Brooks, regardless of what tour he plays on. Right behind him, though, is John Rom. I, I really like what he's saying. I like the way he's playing. I like his swagger.
1: I do too. I love them both this week. We are joined by Rex Hoggard. Rex, you mentioned the Live guys, so let me ask you this. A week after that stunning, stunning merger, obviously, still lots of questions. For instance, do you have any sense if Live and its team format will even exist a year from right now?
4: I don't. And I think there's so many unknowns in this. I mean, just this morning, there's a a new report out about a, a Department of Justice investigation just into that deal, into that agreement for possible antitrust violations, which could, you know, draw things out for years. I mean, this could take a long time. The idea, I think, and there's so many details to sort of get hammered out. The idea is to create what they're calling internally a new co. So they're going to create this separate for profit entity. And I think the belief, at least among players and people who are inside the tour, is somehow you would take either live golf or that concept and work it into the framework that the PGA Tour now has. So imagine a scenario where the tour would play three events on the West Coast, normal events. They would play Riviera and Pebble Beach and Scottsdale. And then the fourth week would be some sort of team event that looks a lot like a live event. Maybe it's 54 holes and whatever the case may be. That seems to be sort of the working framework.
1: Rex Hoggard is joining us. Hey, Rex, what about Phil Mickelson? He's going to turn 53 tomorrow. And of course, the U.S. Open has not been a setting for too many happy birthdays for him as a six time runner up. And he's had some pretty notable meltdowns, we know that. But he did finish second or tied for second at the Masters. You know, he's feeling pretty good about himself these days. What's his outlook this week or your outlook for his outlook?
4: I feel like if this would have been three years ago, I would have been so excited because I can only imagine how cool the story would have been, right? You complete the career Grand Slam at the one that had been so far away from him for so long. And it's really difficult for me to do this because it wasn't that long ago when he won a major at Kiowa, you know, at 51 years old. And as you pointed out, it was a really special Sunday at Augusta National. But given everything that's going on around him, if if he's able to do it, it's a story for the ages in my mind because it's just not his age, which is amazing. And it's just now the way he's transformed his body, which, again, is amazing. It's He would do it in maybe the most difficult, you know, sort of fishbowl that you could possibly imagine with everything that's going on around him. I find it hard to believe, but, man, I, I can root for the story.
1: So, Rex, one final thought. When you look at Rory McElroy now, what do you think, and what kind of headspace is he in?
4: I think it's difficult. I mean, this goes back to kind of what I just said about Phil. I think Rory has learned the hard way that maybe – Athletes are insular, and they, you know, they they don't pay attention to things outside the ropes on purpose. And I'll give Rory 100% credit. Like he wanted to be the PGA Tour's spokesperson, essentially, on this ongoing tour turf war with Live Golf. That's the smoke he wanted. He told me last year, like, bring it all. I I want all the smoke. And it took a toll. You can see it. You can see it in his game. You can see it the way he carries himself now. I think his decision to sort of let things outside the ropes play out, and I need to focus on what's going on inside the ropes. Is going to help him, certainly in the long run, if not the short run? I don't know if his swing is where it needs to be. I talked to him for a long time uh, two weeks ago at the Memorial, and he was really honest. Like He had to sort of initiate a swing change at a bad time, like in the middle of the major championship season, but he couldn't let it continue down the road it was. If he can put together three, four decent ball striking rounds, I like his chances, but that's a big if.
1: This is why I run this guy down for all the majors. He is a Golf Channel reporter, senior writer for GolfChannel.com, co-host of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lav, and a part of the legendary Rex Streak. Rex, great job. Really good to have you on. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Jim. US Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast right now. You can get one line with unlimited data for just 29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for twenty nine ninety nine with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Jeff in Richmond. Jeff, what's going on, brother? Jim, thanks for the vine, and thanks
3: for the time. And Jim, as you are well aware, Jim, the morally bankrupt clones wrote me off years ago. And years and years ago but guess what Jim guess what I didn't write back And Jim here we are on the cusp on the precipice of the great American smack off Jim number 29 and let me say for the record Jim and I want you to make a note of this the smack off title picture Jim has never Jim and I mean ever been more wide Earth, open. Let me elaborate, Jim. Storyline number one. Can lightning strike twice and a kinder, gentler king remain on top? I say no, Jim. I believe my jungle needs a cold-hearted, cold-blooded king like Jeff from Richmond. My jungle, Jim, needs a ruthless, heartless king that's full of bile and venom and battery acid like Jeff from Richmond. And trust me, Jim, I'm cognizant of the fact that the dirtiest player in the game, Jim, Jeff from Richmond, cannot, cannot be mentioned in the same sentence as Sean or Brad or Left, unless I start stacking titles right now. Bottom line, Jim, there's a sense of urgency in my voice. There's a sense of urgency in my demeanor. And make no mistake, Jim, the hype is real. The hype has always been real. Are you feeling me, Mr. Rome? Are you feeling me, Mr. Rome, into all you morally bankrupt clones across the fruited plain who are driving recklessly down the Boulevard of Broken Dreams? All you clones who are essentially nameless, gray faces in this world, and especially all you clones who are sipping on your 20-ounce cups of Haterade each and every day, I ask you this, clones, how's it going to feel on June the 30th when Jeff from Richmond steps under the white-hot spotlight, which is Jim Rome smack-off, and walks that aisle, clones? How's that going to feel? <laughs> Doesn't matter how you feel, clones. Fact number one, Jim, the BIC is clearly washed. He's tired and played. Everybody knows it. Fact number two, Jim, the Laguna Beach bully has not hit the strike zone in years. And fact number three, Jim, although I love my man Broadway Vic, my best beats his best every single time. Finally, Jim, very quickly, I know this going into Smack Off 29, I have established a synergy and a connection with the province of Canada, and when I talk to them, Jim, on social, whether it's Montreal or Toronto or Calgary or Vancouver or Edmonton, all the Canadian clones say the same thing, and I quote Jim, we love Jeff from Richmond because he reminds us of our national hero, Wayne Gretzky because he's always been so well-mannered, so humble, and so modest. Canada, who wants to walk with Jeff from Richmond, A. Jim, thank you for your time. Aloha means goodbye. War Commonwealth of Virginia. War Jake and Logan Rome, class of 2023. We love you, rogues. War Silk Bras wife. Eric Silkinson's wife. Casually cleaning up around the pool on a Sunday morning and finding an extra five grand on the poolside table she forgot. Wore Matt from L.A. shining my Louis Vuitton red-bottom shoes when I w- win Smack Off 29. Matt, don't forget your shine box. And until next time, Jim, good night now! My
1: man! I am feeling you, Jeff. He is V in the fee. V, what's up, dude?
5: I absolutely love smack off season. Love it. But I hate when you got some of these losers turning it into dumbass season. Like these three idiots. Hey, John and Philly. There's no way you're from Philly, bro. Guys from Philly are known to be tough. And yesterday this guy said, "V you can say what you want about me, but, but, but just wait until these big guys on the snack off who I'm hiding in quivering behind. Yeah, you know, these big guys, they're gonna come and get you. Absolutely pathetic, my guy. A grown man asking for other grown men to do his work for him. Hey, remember, you're the one who called me out first. Now you know that saying. You made your bed. Now watch your wife fantasize about me in it. And then there's that that bitch, Chrissy in Southeast Wisco whose jungle's career flamed out worse than Jay Leno's face. Chrissy, you're the loser no one wants around, but somehow you keep coming around. He's that guy in your group of friends where everyone's like, hey, let's take a group picture. Chrissy is awkwardly asked to hold the camera, but enough of these two nobodies, because on the 30th, I got bigger things to worry about, like way bigger things. And by that, I mean fat Jeff in Richmond. I'm sick of these smack-off prediction videos Picking him to win. We all know that you tricked your family, bro, into sending those in because they're actual family testimonials to get him on the show, the biggest loser, and why his fat ass should win. And what's even worse is his family thought, yeah, Jeff is perfect for the biggest loser. He's the biggest in our family, and he's a loser. You see, Romeo, everyone's counting me out. Well, I'm just counting down the days. I'm literally feeding off the hate, but I'm still hungry. And I don't, I don't know if you noticed it yesterday or not, Rome, but Chrissy didn't end his call with his stupid-ass cash raise or claim he's a dynasty. That means I own his bitch ass. So Chrissy, on Smackoff Day, you can watch me win, or, or, hell no, I'm not a bitch. Just tell me how my ass tastes. See you on the thirtieth.
1: Dude, he's pissed. <laughs> Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the clear view bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it... Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Well, Trapper, what's your beef? As I mentioned, we are down to our final two beef segments. This one and next week, and then it is beef off-season. Let's get it. Let me start with the phones. 1-800-636-8686. George in San Francisco. Start us off. George, what's your beef? Hey, Ron. Thanks for the vine.
5: My beef's with my job. I had already planned to take the 30th off or the smack off. Now they want me to come in and give a deposition. Look, I could care less if this place is getting sued. I need to figure out who's taking the strap this year. Jeff from Richmond, the BIC, V in the fee. You know, all that sounds like kind of a problem for them. Or me pleading the fist so I could tune in on the 30th.
1: My dude. Nice job, George. Way to go. Way to go, starting us off on the phones. That's the way you set the tone. Let's go to Iowa. Dickie in Iowa. Good to have you, Dickie. What's your beef?
3: Jumpman Gillett. My beef is with my wife, otherwise known as the warden, and her obsession with pillows. Everywhere I look, there's pillows. Pillows on the couch, pillows on the chair. My pillows have little pillows next to them. What's up with the little pillow? My pillows have pillows. Uh, I can't use these pillows. They're show pillows. Every time I come home, I'm swatting these pillows off the couch like I'm Hakeem Olajuwon back in 1988.
1: I'm out. My man. The warden is on the other phone. You're in solitary confinement. hey Pillow. Thanks, Albie. Pillows everywhere. 1-800-636-8686. Rolling through the telephone calls. Let's go to Bobby in Des Moines. Good to have you, Bobby. What's your beef?
5: Jim, my beef is with R.I.B. Hey, Rick, why is it every time you call, it sounds like you're trying to drop the back half of yesterday's Anchor Bar special?
1: Out. All right, Bob. Des Moines, if you need it. Pretty original. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for nothing. Let's go to Manny in Oxnard. Nope, he's gone. Manny knows. He's not showing up on my board. Alvin, can you pull him up? Manny, what's your beef, dude?
3: Van Smack. Hey, the energy coming for for the upcoming Smack Off is totally palpable. My beef is with the champs and holders of a golden ticket. Where the hell are you hiding? Get your asses into the vaunted best sports talk show ever and show all of us you actually have a pair of webless English translation, Van Smack. Balls! I want to hear from some lady clones who have some eggs larger than most of the participants. I am out,
1: hey, Manny. Gracias, poor suit translation. Because I didn't know, huevos. Translation, Van Smack. Balls. Gracias, amigo. Nice job, Manny. Appreciate you. Let's go to second. Sacramento Rich. Rich, what's your beef? Hey Jim, I got a problem with Vegas. Quit ripping my teams.
5: Raiders gone. A's all but gone. Keep your filthy, slimy hands off my kings. Out.
1: I think you're all right. They're not I mean, I can see where they might want the Kings. Sacramento Kings are not going anywhere. You're in a good spot. Then again, who knows, right? Who knows? Anything can happen. We've seen that in sports the last couple of months. Let's try Pomona. Anthony in Pomona. I like it. Anthony, what's your beef? Hey, Jim,
5: my beef is with, it's not with VD in the sea. it's just with Minifee in general, or is it Minifee? Like, I'm from Southern California, I didn't even know where Minifee was until like five years ago, and that's just because I drove out there to harpoon some whale. And Minifee, or Minifee, whatever you want to call it, it's only known for those two things, fat chicks and meth. And those two things aren't, in, uh, uh, ah.
1: That's no. Probably better that way, Anthony. You don't like that? Car. I don't like that. Car. Probably better that <laughs> way, Anthony. <laughs> hey, Anthony. If it'll make you feel any better, James Kelly has already we- <laughs> has already weighed in, not only with his support, but with the take that quote. <laughs> James Kelly just told me, quote, best call ever. And James Kelly's worked on this show for more than a decade. He didn't say, dude, put him in the smack off. He didn't say, holy crap. He said, best call ever. And you had barely even hung up before James Kelly said that. Yeah, I don't know, James. Maybe not quite that good. That was a wild call, though. Damn, Anthony. (laughs) Wow. Wow. James Kelly's like, man, he had me at harpoon. Yeah, I know he did, Kelly. That's the problem. Let's go to Kathleen. Kathleen, what's your beef?
4: Larry is a dumb pocket chump stain. I want to train a goose to attack him the same way one attacks Fabio. Then I will have the undertaker bury Larry alive and to make sure he doesn't get out at concrete. Then I'll stand on it
5: in my finest pair of high heels laughing my ass off.
1: Talk about having to decode something. Did Kathleen start that by saying, I want to train a goose to attack Larry like it attacked Fabio? She lo- I, I got lost at that point. But Kathleen is out there. Out there. She hates Larry and Larry, with good reason. Larry disrespects her. 1-800-636-8686. Happy Valley. Tom in Happy Valley. It's good to have you, Tom. What's your beef? How you doing, Jim? Great. How about you, dude?
3: Good, man. Hey, my beef is with the smack-off date, June 30th. Same exact date and time that I'm scheduled for a hip replacement surgery, so mm. I won't be able to, to watch a smack-off with my boys and have some pop.
1: That sucks, Any hey, way to
3: reschedule that bad
0: boy.
1: Yeah, man, I feel you. Yeah, that does suck. My bad. Sorry about that, dude. Um, You know, we kind of go back and forth. Generally, we try to schedule it around my vacation and not your hip replacement surgery. That didn't factor in, my guy, because I didn't know until just now. Like, we have to have a smack-off season. If you're going to get your hip replaced, you got to get me that info earlier so I know. That way, when Chalk and I sit down with KTK and we talk about when to have it and Albie... So what do you think? How about this date? How about this date? How about this date? No, man. Homeboy in Happy Valley is getting his hip replaced. We can't do it that day. All right. That's off the table. Listen, good luck with the procedure. And, you know, we'll have it in the archives. But you're right. It is better live, dude. Better to be with your boys. Better to have pops. Let's read a few before we call the segment. Snags. My beef. Or with men and women who wear sandals, flip-flops, or any open-toed shoe and shouldn't. If you have toes (laughs) that are going in directions that they should not be and nails that look like half-eaten corn chips, (laughs) cover those things up for the sake of humanity. Patrick in Alabama. Well done, Patrick. Hi, Rome. I have beef with adults who use the word cubby. You're not in preschool anymore, Barbara. It's a shelf or a drawer, not a cubby. Thanks, Tommy in Vermont. Hey, Ro, my beef is with Keto Guy. I don't have a problem with eating keto, but Keto Guy has got to go. Keto Guy, one, must tell everybody he knows that he's doing keto. Two, must tell you everything he's eaten so far today. And three, must preface each meal with the word keto, i.e., Keto lettuce wraps, and Keto smoothie. Chad from Orlando. Hello, Jim. My beef is with cats. Why is it whenever I want to pet them, they run away faster than a phone call from Parody Larry? But when I try to be productive and get stuff done, they want all the attention possible. Come on, cats. Love me on my terms, not yours. Emilio in the 209. Jimbo. I've got a beef with Mexican restaurants. When you order fajitas, they bring you five pounds of steak, peppers and onions, but only three tortillas? Then when you ask for more, they bring like two. Just bring the whole pack. I'll pay extra if I have to. GFC and NC. Snagger. My beef is with brunch restaurants. You either show up at 7 a.m. and you walk right in, or you show up at 7:01 and it's a three-hour wait. It's the same food that you can get at any given hotel, continental breakfast. They just mix it all together, and they give it a quirky name like a skillet or a hash, and they charge you 17 bucks for it. No thanks. I'll stay home. I'll make my own breakfast, the ingredients of which cost about two and a half bucks. Derek in Des Moines. Rich writes, my beef is with the Lorelai in Green Bay, turning their back on local hero, Smack Off winner Caleb, and endorsing Buffet Behemoth, Jeff and Richmond, to win Smack Off 2023. Packers kick AR-12 to the curb, and now Lorelai turns on its own. The guy who made them nationally famous? Weak. James P. Rome. I have a small handful of beefs today, so I will list them in bullet form for your convenience. Rick in Buffalo's voice. Doing laundry. Chalk. Caleb in Green Bay's mustache. The Mountain Time Zone. Chalk. Brad, Brad in Corona's Speedo. AstroTurf. Chalk. Cran in South Carolina. Sir Smackingham, my beef is grown men wearing their hat backwards. Hey, tool bags, you're not in high school or college anymore. Wear your hat the correct way. Wearing your hat backwards is a signal to everybody that you're a complete D-bag. You look like an ass clown wearing your hat backwards. Do better, idiots. Yeah, I'm that guy, Mario. I flip mine on backwards. I'm your D-bag. Let's go to Louisville. Brandon in Louisville. Brandon, what is your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef's with my neighbors, so they asked me to let their dog out while they were on a trip. And they said the dog was slightly timid. It wouldn't come near me.
0: Yeah, I opened the door. It ran outside and didn't come back for nine hours.
1: That sucks. You know whose fault that was? Yours? You know, you know my famous story about that. We once went to Hawaii. We had a cat. Anyway, he is Patrick Peterson. Patrick, it's been a minute, but it's great to have you back. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Jim. It's been a, like you said, it has been a while.
1: It has been. Dude, it's great to hear your voice, man. I appreciate it. It's so good to have you back. So you nearly became a Steeler last March, only to return to the Vikings at the last minute. What have the last few months been like since it became official and you are a Steeler, Patrick?
2: Man, to be honest with you, Jim, it's, it's been a dream come true because I watched my family, uh, Brian McFadden, get drafted here and watch his career—you know—take its take its toll here for the for the for the first six years, winning Super Bowl. So, always been a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then once Coach, I got to get uh, got to know Coach Tomlin, just became a bigger fan of his. And last year, uh, obviously, it worked out. I ended up going back to Minnesota, but this was something that. That was in the works for a while now, and I'm just so happy that it finally happened, and I'm so happy to uh, be a part of such a storied organization.
1: Patrick Peterson joining us. There's some really good stuff in that response. Like, to your point about the organization, when you think about the Steelers, you think about that tough, hard-nosed defense they always seem to have. You think about the exceptional play on the back end. So what does it mean to you to be entrusted to carry on that great defensive tradition that they've always had there?
2: Man, you know what it means the world to me because obviously, like you said, we know when you see Pittsburgh still is on the roster, you know what, what's going what's gonna to come, what, what, what that game is going to be like. It's going to be a rough, gritty, grown man football type of game. And that, like you said, that's why Coach Tomlin, you know, wanted me to come in and help the Cam, help the TJs and the, uh, the Mink. The Mink is on the back end to, to kind of continue to help Shape this team as hard as we can, so when we do get battle, uh, uh, in the battle in the battle field, that we'll be ready. and we have enough talent on this team. Now we add a, a great nucleus of veteran players, guys that, who have experience. Now you put that together together, we had a great mini camp, looking to add on to that during training camp. I believe the sky's the limit for
1: us honestly Patrick Peterson joining us Patrick dude, your energy is good I mean really good you sound great you sound fired up, you sound rejuvenated 13 years in too so at this point, what is your why? why are you still playing at this or what are you still playing for at this point
2: Well you know Jim obviously I'm still I, I won a Super Bowl I don't have that yeah I came up close uh, 2015. Uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, but I, I that's my why. That's what I'm still hungry for. And, and Mink asked me this question the other day. He said, why are you still playing? Because I feel like I, there's still room for an improvement on my behalf. Like, that's the type of player that I am. I'm always striving to be better than I was last year, and I still have that urge. I still have that fire. I still have that want to far as when I say want, too far as uh, going, out, waking up in the morning to train, doing all the unnecessary things that I did when I was 23, and still wanting to do it now, about to be 33 here in a couple weeks, um, that's that's huge to me. So still having that fire, still having that love, that's another why. But the ultimate why is trying to horse that Lombardi.
1: So when you look at the roster they have right there, I mean, if that's the thing, right, that's the one thing you don't have, that's the one thing you still want, and, and I get it, man, you love the grind, you love the process, you love being around the fellas, but when you look at that sure. roster, does this feel like a Super Bowl caliber team to you?
2: I, I do, and what it's going to come down to, we have all the pieces that we need on defense. We know defense win championships. We have all talent across the board on the office, on, on the office side of the ball. I believe the front office did a great job uh, of, of getting what we needed in the draft as far as getting the Broderick in the first round, uh, left tackle, young pup who you should expect to see play a lot. Then you added uh, uh, Allen Robinson. You got Deontay Johnson. You got G, uh, 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 George Pickens. You got Najee. You know, now it's all going to come down to how well Kenny can play and can he put the ball where it needs to go. I believe he is a guy that we can rely on, a guy that who we can count on. Now it's going to all fall on him if he can go out there and show us what he's capable of doing.
1: So how does he look to you right now in OTAs? Man? And what do you think? When you watch him carry himself the way he works, the way he prepares, I mean, you've been around all kinds of quarterbacks. What's your bottom mm-hmm. line with Kenny?
2: He comes to work each and every day. He sets the table for how practice is going to go each and every day. And, and Coach Tomlin gives him, gives him that responsibility. You know, as Coach Tomlin always says, as a leader, he wants to make sure that he puts us in the best position possible and understand what the task is at hand during that day. He does a great job of that each and every day, and Kenny does a great job of echoing that by going out there on the practice field with not only a positive mind, uh, mindset, but also that we're here to work and we're not warming up. To it, we're getting right to it right now, and you can't ask for a better way uh, to start practice each and every day when you have not only your head coach but also your starting quarterback, an out.
1: He sets the tone. Patrick Peterson joins me for a few more moments. You know, it's amazing that you know the guys. It's not amazing in the sense that they do, but the young guys in that DB room all look up to you. They all idolize you. They'll tell you that. What's amazing to me is you're 13 years in. It's almost weird to say, but what's it like to share a defensive backfield and a DB room with Joey (laughs) Porter Jr., dude, when you played with his pop? I know it is
2: kind of weird. Now, I remember when we drafted, I was joking with my cousin, man. I was like, man, I guess I know what LeBron, what it feels like to be LeBron when he's playing with one of his uh, fellow teammates or... Uh, an opponent's son. (laughs) Right. It's uh, it's pretty – it was weird and awkward at the beginning, but (laughs) I look at it as a blessing to still be playing this game at a high level with these babies now (laughs) because that's technically what he was when I was in the league. You know, playing with these young guys now is just – to me, I I look at it as a blessing to still be here and, and still be able to share the field with these great young athletes that's coming through the game
1: today. And like I said, they love you. They can't get enough of you. They want to pick your brain. They want to follow you around. They want to know everything you know. What do you remember? Because he was at the very tail end of his career, and you were a rookie. But, man, I love Pop. I love Senior. I loved watching him play. I loved having yeah. him on this show. What do you remember about having him as a teammate?
2: It's intensity. Yeah, It was like Joey always was, always was on go mode, no matter what the situation was, especially if he was in your to take care. What the situation was? If you was in the wrong, Joey's gonna find a way to it right. <laughs> so Joey was the most I've uh, played. He was definitely a joy. Uh, play with uh, Joey also taught me so many things as a young pup to get me prepared for the situation that I am in now. Being in his shoes uh, uh, at this stage of his career. Now I'm uh, his son being in my shoes as I was in my stage of my career. So it's a beautiful thing. And I'm just, it's all uh, just a small world to see it work out the way that it did.
1: Sounds amazing. So one last thought, you know, you've played most of your career on the outside. Does it seem to you, Patrick, are they going to move you around and ask you to do different things and play a variety of roles? In other words, how are they going to use you?
2: Well, you know, um, as of right now, I've been been—I've been moved all over the place, man. And it's been so fun for me because that's something that I never really did in my NFL but you know experience playing different positions just not on the NFL level but one thing about me I am a ball player you can plug me in anywhere and I'll make it work and to finally come here with Coach Tomlin and have him in school my other attributes of my game. It's just going to make me probably want to play longer.
1: (laughs) I think think that's awesome, and I think that says a lot about you, that you're saying, hey, listen, I'll do whatever you need. Not everybody in your position who's accomplished what you've accomplished is going to be that open to, hey, whatever you need from me, I'll do. Patrick Peterson, my guest. Dude, like I said, it's been a minute. It is so good to hear you. Your energy sounds amazing, and it's great to have you back, man. I appreciate it so much, Pat.
2: No worries, Jim. I can't wait to talk to you during the season, baby.
3: Good night now!